When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F in Sports, the podcast with two teachers' great sports biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? I've reached the point in quarantine where I had a slice of cake as a snack. So I think we're doing pretty well over here. Uh, How are you doing, Mr. Cummings? I had a birthday party that I went to, so I feel like I've had slices of cake for snacks as well this weekend. So look at that. We have so much in common. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into our gold starts and detentions. Would you like to go first, sir? Yeah. uh, My first gold star goes to a guy... Shock and I both coached in a conference here in Texas that kind of spans the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the Houston area, the Austin area, even a little bit in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a kid from, or I say a kid, he's a grown man now, but he was a kid <laughs> back in the day in the conference. Uh, Emmanuel Acho, a private school kid, very smart guy, went on to University of Texas, hook him horns. And he had a brief, brief career in the NFL, and he's been more famous lately as a commentator, analyst, but in the last couple months it's been more for his uncomfortable conversations with a black man series he's doing weekly on the internet he's just sitting down and talking about some hard emotional issues the country needs to talk about the big gold star moment for this obviously we we could have golden starred him the last several weeks each week because he's doing these every week but he signed a book deal with oprah i don't know if you've heard of oprah but she's kind of a big deal and so Emmanuel Acho's got a book coming out. You can pre-order it on Amazon. It, it is also called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. But generally speaking, things Oprah touches do very well. So I'm anticipating this <laughs> book doing pretty well. Um, congrats and gold star to Emmanuel Acho. SBC kids doing well. Yeah, shout out SBC St. Mark's, right? That's where he went to school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Gosh. and his older brother Sam both Sam went to St. Mark's. <laughs> they, were, they, they were they good. They had Ty Montgomery on that team for a year as well, so all three guys would be pros. <laughs> that's a tough That's a tough, that's a tough. place. <laughs> yeah, Ty Montgomery was a wide receiver back then, and oh my gosh. I mean, too, too much, too much. My gold star goes to Miles Boykin. I think this is the best story I've heard all week. Miles Boykin is a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. And he posted the following tweet. My mom just found out that my Xbox Live account has been on her credit card. She's been paying since I was in sixth grade. And I am like, (laughs) gold star for that stealth work, sir. I admire that. Now, the one caveat to consider is you are now a professional football player. You actually have the money to pay your mom back. So when she starts doing that math and she asks for that check, <laughs> you're going to be buying your mom a house whether you wanted to or not, sir. That's, that's, how, that, that's how that works. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a really – that's a hustler move right there. Not even tell her for that, that at least 10 years. That's a long time. Uh, gold star to Kenny Stills. Uh, also Houston-based rapper, Trade the Truth, and then a handful, you know, I say handful, it was upwards of 80 to 87, some said 85, depends on what report you looked at, but people that were uh, protesting in Kentucky for Breonna Taylor uh, and to see the cops that murdered her get arrested, they all, they all, like, got a, they all themselves got arrested, which is interesting that, you know, the protesters got arrested before the, the cops that murdered someone got arrested, but uh, Kenny Stills has a lot on the line, right? Trade, Trade the Truth has a music career and so on, but Kenny Stills is trying to start an NFL season very soon and getting thrown in jail and get, you know, there'd be a way to write that story where he probably 
should not be risking this. And he clearly saw this as something that was worth putting that on the line for. He's since been let go and charges dropped and stuff, but it was a felony charge at first. I mean, he was in real trouble. Gold started Kenny Stills for supporting a worthy cause, to say the least, and putting it on the line for that. Absolutely. And in a related note, I'm going to go ahead and give my detention to Daniel Cameron, who is the attorney general in the state of Kentucky. So the protests that Mr. Ainsworth elaborated on a bit, basically what you had were 87 individuals who marched to Daniel Cameron's house demanding justice for the murder of Breonna Taylor. Back in May, you had a, a group of protesters who were protesting the shutdown of the economy in the state of Kentucky based on the quarantine. And so those folks marched to the governor's house and the governor of the state of Kentucky is Andy Bashir. They hung an effigy of Andy Bashir outside his window I mean, he's got two little kids who luckily weren't in the house at the time to be able to see something like that. None of those protesters arrested. 87 people arrested when they marched to Daniel Cameron's house. So that just lets you know where our attorney general in the great state of Kentucky, where his mind is. And let me just say this, because here's something that I don't think happens enough. Jonathan Mattingly, Brett Hankinson, and Miles Cosgrove. Those are the names of the police officers that murdered Breonna Taylor, and their names are hidden too much in anonymity. And I've seen trending, you know, arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. That's their names, and we need to start saying their names because there's too much anonymity. I don't want you to say the cops. Arrest Brett Hankinson, arrest Jonathan Mattingly, arrest Miles Cosgrove, because to this point, more people have been arrested for protesting Breonna Taylor's murder than have been arrested for murdering Breonna Taylor. And that is my detention. Mr. Ainsworth, I know that you have <laughs> other detentions. I'm going to see if you're going to bring it down because I'm about to get serious again. <laughs> um, I guess it's not necessarily down because it's still detentions. It's changing course a little bit. Uh, I was going to detention a league I normally give a lot of gold stars to, but the WNBA uh, for the way they handled Atlanta Deladon earlier this week. For those who don't know or weren't listening to the story, Atlanta Deladon has dealt with Lyme disease for a long time now. And she has openly talked about in the last week how she takes upwards of 60, over 60 pills a day to combat this and how it is certainly sounds like a pre-existing condition that would make playing basketball in a COVID bubble very risky. And the WNBA essentially said, you know, it's not a valid excuse and you'll be foregoing your salary by skipping out on the bubble. And that sparked some outrage over the course of the week. And it just, it's very anti-WNBA to me. And I think that that's why it took me by surprise so much is that we typically think of that as very, because of previous actions, as a league that would very much be in favor of like supporting, especially the most recent league MVP, supporting its stars as they, you know, are trying to do what's best for them and their safety. And Elena was on television Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week talking about how she was very literally having to deal with, like, do I sacrifice my immediate and long-term health to potentially, you know, like, this is really, really bad just to make a salary. Because we've talked about before in the pod, the WNBA salaries are not NBA salaries. That is, it's not the kind of, you know, she can live off of one year's salary for, you know, a decade or anything like that. It's not that kind of money. She's not sitting on tens of millions of dollars. She's sitting on, again, more than the average Joe, but it's, it's not, not a lot of money. And so I, I guess I want the WNBA to sit around and think about how are you treating your stars as a league? Is that really where you want to go as a league right now? It's crazy because, like you said, it's such an obvious pre-existing condition. And as you also pointed out, the WNBA tends to be the league that isn't in the news for this type of story. So it's just, it feels odd. Maybe there's more to it and maybe we'll hear something about it. My detention is not in the realm of sport. Uh, two great civil rights icons passed away this week, C.T. Vivian and John Lewis. And my detention goes to Marco Rubio and Dan Sullivan, both of whom serve in the United States Congress, who wanted to, I guess, memorialize John Lewis by posting pictures of him with them and then sending messages of condolences, except they obviously don't know what John Lewis looks like because they sent 
pictures of them with Elijah Cummings, who also was a black congressman who passed away. And so detention to the people who still perpetuate stereotypes, I guess all of us black people look alike. And since my last name is Cummings, the next thing is going to be a picture of me because my last name is Cummings and Elijah Cummings and John Lewis. So you could just put it all together and I guess just post a picture with me, Parker, and you'd be memorializing John Lewis. So, like, what's going on in this world? I don't know. <laughs> but this crazy stuff obviously getting to me a little bit today. <laughs> well, and, and for good reason. There's a really good, interesting piece, thought-provoking in a lot of ways, too. If you're, you know, when you're done with listening to this pod, you want to go read something on Slate.com. Uh, today is Sunday that we're recording. Joel Anderson wrote an article uh, where he talks about you don't get to call John Lewis a hero if you stood in his way. In fact, if John Lewis is a superhero, you are the supervillain for standing in his way. And, and calls out a lot of politicians by name, some of which might have been posting pictures over the weekend of memorializing John Lewis. <laughs> not to like, <laughs> not to completely go down the escapism route but if i'm going to give out my last attention for the week it goes to the nfl and not to get you know i said we're not trying to get too sportsy but very clearly as we sit here on a sunday recording there are a lot of angry nfl players sitting here using the hashtag we want to play um it's interesting because you're seeing them all talk about how little they've heard in the covid safety precautions the nfl has taken or at least that they've published. Meanwhile, they're supposed to start like now. <laughs> like, like they need to be <laughs> heading to camp very, like rookies report early this week, veterans report later this week. And they're all sitting here saying, whoa, whoa, NFL, this hit in February and March. It is the end of July. You've known this was coming. How are you not prepared? I understand that in February, March, April, the NFL might have been thinking, oh, you know, by the time August gets here, we'll have figured more things out. And the rest of us, you know, I could point a lot of fingers as to why things have not gotten figured out, but things have not gotten figured out. And so I guess that is one fair, like, you know, the NFL would have expected the rest of the country to figure this out by August. But you could have been able to, you would have been able to tell in June that we weren't going to figure it out by August. Uh, You would have been able to figure it out on July 1st that we weren't going to figure it out by August. And so what is taking so long? If Roger Goodell just listened to our podcast, he would have heard our segment where we talked about the fact that you just go out there, you publicize the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has coronavirus, and you haven't given us any detail about how you plan on opening. So if he had just listened to us a few weeks back, he could have hedged this problem before it even became a trending hashtag. Mr. Goodell, don't flunk with us. Um, Our... pod this week we're going to be talking about madden 21 and we're going to be talking about the ratings for players we're going to be talking about pat 40's realignment for college football due to coronavirus and how intriguing it looks in terms of the possibilities and then we're going to start evaluating the best nba players who are in the bubble so we got a full show for you i hope that everyone out there is ready but mr Ainsworth, it is most important to know are you ready to go sir Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Cummings, our first thesis this week uh, has to do with video games. We've all been quarantined, so I'm sure we've all been playing our fair share of video games. Um, (laughs) The thesis this week is that Madden 21 overwhelmingly gets their player ratings correct. So, you see that thesis, and you think what? I think B, like I'm pretty high on it. There's obviously room to improve and some things that I would change personally, but I'm going to go high. What are you thinking, Mr. Ainsworth? Oh, I'm at the B plus A minus range. I think there's maybe one or two, maybe three things I don't agree with, but I I generally think it's a pretty good thesis. Um, I might say A minus just to be more different than you. All right, Mr. Cummings, you gave it a B, implying that you've got some problems with the ratings in Madden 21 as they came out this week, um, but not a whole lot. So talk to us. What do you got? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Madden, I think that they do a great job because it's a lot of data that they're trying to take in. So the fact that they're even doing ratings for these video games, I think are incredible. And the fact that people pay attention to them, I think is amazing. I started with the ratings in terms of quarterbacks. And so I started looking at the quarterbacks and I was like, where would I really take issue? So their top 10 rated quarterbacks They have Patrick Mahomes, who's a 99, which for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with Madden, is the highest rating. So Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. He's a 99. 
Russell Wilson's a 97. Lamar Jackson's a 94. Drew Brees is a 93. Brady is a 90. Aaron Rodgers is an 89. Matt Ryan at 87. Deshaun Watson at 86. Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz at 84. Kind of rounded out. And this, I mean, little things like I think Aaron Rodgers probably should still be rated as highly as Brady. I get that he didn't have. Like, the record that Green Bay had is not reflective necessarily of his season. So I would probably rate him a little higher. I also think that Deshaun Watson is clearly better than Matt Ryan at this point. I think Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, but I would have Deshaun Watson closer to Brady Rogers at this point in his career. I think it's going to impact him is the fact that he lost uh, Hopkins, his receiver. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, this is decent. What are you thinking when you see that top 10? I really don't disagree with, like, that's probably the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Like you're saying, I might move Watson up, like, one or two slots. Um, I might value something like what Lamar Jackson brings to the table. Because right now, there's a five-point window between him and Patrick Mahomes. I might not say, I might not think that it's that dramatic a difference, right? Because both players won the MVP in their second year in the NFL. It was Lamar's second year as a full-time starter. That's a little bit different, but I, I think that, you know, I, I might think that, you you know me, I like taking over the game with your legs, and I think Absolutely. that's important. Um, and I, I try to be consistent. I think that's an important asset of it, and so if Lamar brings that to the table, I might not think it's a five-point window. I, I really, though, I gave this a higher grade than you did, I think, because these are intentionally flexible. If you look at the the work that the folks at EA Sports do on a week-to-week basis throughout the season to keep them up-to-date and accurate. I mean, they're sending, you know, scouts to each game that happens every week. Did you know that Barry Sanders' son is one of those scouts? Did not, but that's epic. Um, <laughs> talk, about a, talk about a great Madden player. Anytime you get, like, a historic team and play with Barry Sanders, that's some fun times. But the, <laughs> the truth is they're out there early. They're watching pregame. They're talking to players. Um, they're watching what's happening. And they're updating their ratings every week. And so, like, yes, in July of 2020, I'm thinking, yeah, I might have Sean Watson ahead of Matt Ryan. And eh, I might have Lamar Jackson closer to Patrick Mahomes. But those could all be where I think they should be by the second week. And so they're not so far off that they couldn't potentially be there. And I think that's why I don't think that they're that far off. Um, it's also funny when you hear the scouts talk about it. And just I'm doing research for this and listening to some people talk this week. Like, They'll be out on the field in pregame, and kickers will come over to them and be like, hey, just a heads up, you know, we think we can get them in the return game, and so we're going to intentionally kick it to where they have to bring it out of the end zone. So don't take my kick power down. That's part of our strategy this week. <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that. Like they're really, they're really pushing it. Like, hey, hey, just this isn't, this is intentional. Don't, don't, don't hurt me here, you know. Can I ask um, you about a couple more quarterback ones? Like I'm curious about Cam Newton. Are you okay with him not being in the top 10? I think it's okay for him to not be in the top 10 to start the season, considering we saw him play so little last season. Obviously, you know how I feel about Cam. As I said, about a quarterback can take over the game with his legs. I don't think it's unrealistic to see that like Cam Newton could probably have your biggest jump of any quarterback, especially of any non-rookie quarterback from like week zero to week one, <laughs> uh, just because if he shows up <laughs> in that... Right, like if he shows up and plays well for Bill Belichick and that Patriot offense, all of a sudden he would at least be an eighty-five, right? He has uh, six hundred total in... yards in that first game, and all of a sudden <laughs> <Yeah>. he's a ninety-eight. <laughs> well, and and I think that's just part of the part of the function of we didn't see him play much last year. I will say the last, like if you look at the stats of the healthy games we saw him play in the last two years, that reads more like a ninety-plus ranking quarterback. It's just that there's been so few of those. And then um, a quick word on the rookies here. So Burrow's a seventy-six. Two was a 73. They got Love as a 71, and then Herbert as a 70, which is interesting. And then um, Kyler Murray's a 77. So, like, I throw all that at you. What do you say? Oh, we've had our disagreements about Joe Burrow. Um, I, so I don't, I don't <laughs> want to sit here. I don't want to sit here too much. I will say that um, rookies you typically see make their biggest jumps as opposed to any player because they're kind of the most raw data. Um, right, they're just looking at a bunch of college tape when they're analyzing these guys, as opposed to the year before's NFL tape. I think that the Bengals are going to struggle at points this year, and so that Joe Burrow may not jump as much as you might expect. Um, whereas 
Tua and the Dolphins, you know, they showed the Dolphins showed some glimpses at the end of the year last year about like, oh, this might not be as bad a team as we thought. They may have figured out who their coach was and and those kinds of things. Um, I I think my bigger issue with the quarterback room, and you know, he's been my guy since early on, is again a guy that can take over his legs. Jalen Hurts being so low on the list hurts my feelings a little bit. <laughs> he's no, a no pun intended. By the way, sixty. Yeah. He's just outside of that group you were talking about. I think he is the fifth-ranked rookie quarterback. The issue that I have is actually not with Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is probably a 76. The issue that I have is the fact that he's a 76 and Kyler Murray's a 77. Like, Kyler Murray has to be at least an 80 in my mind. So I don't get that deal. I also don't get why Love is ranked higher than Herbert. Like, that's another deal. <laughs> um, that's weird to me because I just think that Herbert's clearly – Justin Herbert's clearly better than Jordan Love. And it's by a whole point, I guess. Um I, I no, will I'm going to argue the point. I'm going to argue for that <laughs> one point. <laughs> I, I will say it'll be interesting to see what happens to Kyler Murray's ranking after one week worth of games with Deshaun Watson or with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, right? Like we we saw what that did for De- Deshaun Watson's ranking, which is why I had the Freudian slip there for a second. <laughs> um, we saw what that did for Deshaun Watson and how much it opened his game. What that can do to the Cardinals' offense. And what that does to Kyler Murray's ranking will be important if you're looking at, you know, who moves around in the course of this game. He's got the best wide receiving core maybe in the NFL. Let's actually talk a little bit about the other guys in the NFL because all the talks about the quarterbacks anyway. They get half a million or half a billion dollars. It's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Biggest snub, biggest mistake. It doesn't matter what position. What are you thinking, Mr. Ainsworth? Give me a mistake that we have to correct. Bosa. Uh, I don't. I think there's no question. Uh, Which like, Bosa? Which Bosa? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would. I guess I was really thinking Nick Bosa. Joey's a 91. Nick Bosa's an 89. I watched them both play last year, and I don't care which one's older, younger. What Nick is they clearly like better, birthday. right? Like Nick is better. Nick. Nick is not in the 90 plus club. That doesn't make any sense to me. He was probably the best player on a Super Bowl level defense. Like like I get you might say Aaron Donald's better, Jesha Watts better. I know I but he's in that conversation to me and he's a full ten points below them on their rankings. So like this is a clearly like an age bias thing. Like they're docking the millennials, I guess. Uh Nick Bosa everyone is <laughs> Nick Bosa is better than in my mind Demarcus Lawrence, Daniil Hunter. I mean I think he's probably better than his brother. Cameron Haywood's probably low as a ninety, to be honest. Like I don't know. He they might be similar, but they both should be higher. Like to me, they're all about the same as a Miles Garrett. And if Garrett's a ninety three, then all them guys should be a ninety three. Can I tell you that one of my biggest issues, and we can always come back to the pass rushers because there's some other there's some defensive things that are just wonky. But uh, we can come back to that side of the ball. I am a Giants fan, and to see <laughs> Saquon Barkley at a 91, so y'all telling me, this is what y'all telling me, y'all telling me that Nick Chubb is better than Saquon Barkley. There is not an <laughs> NFL GM that would rather have Nick Chubb than Saquon Barkley. There's not right. one, including Cleveland's. I, so my, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't my, buy that. Yeah, no, that's fair. My big thing I think I have a problem with the running backs is, is if you want to say McCaffrey is a 99 after the year he had last year and that he's the best of the group and then I could argue with you, but I'm going to have a hard time arguing after last year's stats. I don't think that the window between him and the next best running back is six points. (laughs) I don't think that the gap between him and like your boy Saquon Barkley is eight points. I think those guys are all much Zeke, Saquon, Derrick Henry. Those guys are much closer. Derrick Henry's the 93. So that's the six point gap. Like, I Derek almost Henry felt like he was a seven. Like, yeah, like, and I, I guess that that's minutia. He's the he is the second best running back, but I just don't see it by that much. I think that, it's that's not minutia when I pick the Titans next year. Like, I need I need his right. speed rating a little bit higher, guys. <laughs> like, come on. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I talked with you about as well, Parker, that I shot you a text about was the the ninety nine rating for Michael Thomas. Like in my mind, it's not that Michael Thomas isn't a ninety nine. It's that if he's a ninety nine. Then to me, Hopkins and Julio Jones are also 99s. So, like, why not have all three of them be a 99? Hop is a 98, and Julio, I believe, is a 97. So, obviously, you know, I have a lot of love for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, <laughs> I really do think there's an alternate reality where he's the 99 and Michael Thomas is the 98. 
not to get here and sit too much on it, Hopkins seems to be able to take the top off of the defense in a way that Thomas doesn't quite do, whether that's a Drew Brees armstring thing or his foot speed thing, I guess you could argue. But they get, I guess, you know, pref- get preferential treatment to the route running underneath that kind of stuff. I would argue Hopkins is fine there, but... And we've seen him do some, like, li- literally under-the-legs catches and, and those kinds of things. So I, w- <laughs> I would think Hopkins is... I know it's a one-point gap, but I would think that Hopkins is at least the same class. Um, I think Julio Jones's big knock is that he... The Falcons, in general, just had a down year last year. He's only at 97. It's like he's far off the track here. And I think they're just kind of punishing him there. You brought up earlier that you're a Giants guy. Odell, you talk about a guy that's down This is ridiculous. Thank Odell you for going Beckham there. had a pretty down year last year, and he's at a 91. Are you? What do you think? No, 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 no. See, you're looking at it the wrong way. I'm sorry. Odell Beckham is a better wide receiver than Stephon Diggs. So Odell Beckham <laughs> being at a 91 and Diggs being a 92 is a problem. So I'm sorry. This how many Minneapolis miracles Odell got to catch to get you at a 92? <laughs> I how many balls he got to catch with two fingers and all this? Like what we don't again. In my mind, you don't knock Julio because the Falcons had a poor year and then dock him so that he's not a 99 receiver. He's a 99 receiver. In my mind, the Browns' offense struggled in part because of the quarterback, in part because of the coach and the play calling. So you're trying to tell me that Odell Beckham, that there are nine receivers that are equal to or better than him in the NFL? Really? You try to say that to me with a straight face? I'm sorry. I saw the man play. So you can't tell me that with a straight face. You might be able to tell some other people that. So I think he's low. Here's my other wide receiver question. I, and it's, again, perhaps my own biases, I think being faster than the guy covering you is a big advantage because the guy covering you has got to start off running backwards. Fair point. So Fair if, point. You're, if you're faster, that's a pretty big jump, right? Um, Tyreek Hill has the fastest speed rating in the game but it's only a 96. And I say that more so than not that I have a problem with him as a 96 or have a problem with him being the fifth best receiver or anything like that. I think I just would have assumed if you told me on Wednesday that he's going to have the highest speed rating in the game, that when the ratings came out on Thursday and Friday that he would have been like closer to the number one spot, I guess. is that does, Am I wrong there? Can I tell you that the thing that is more surprising to me about all of that, I don't necessarily think that you're wrong, but the fact that that Hill has the highest speed. Marquise Goodwin has to be like, excuse me? Like I've actually he's tried actual- out for like I've actually <laughs> tried out for the US Olympic track team. You think that okay. he's I if he's a ninety nine, I must be a hundred and three, right? Like right. so I need them guys to race. So that's <laughs> that's one thing that I need. All right. We talked about guys that had a down year last year, and I think I'll leave you I'll leave it at this. We have one player in these top ten rankings. That very literally did not play last year. I don't mean didn't play because he was hurt. I mean, stepped away from the game for a year before joining up with his buddy in Tampa Bay. Rob Gronkowski did not play a year ago. We saw him shrink, and he is still a 95. What do you say to that? Julie Ertz needs to soccer kick whoever rated her husband a 90 and Gronk a 95. (laughs) And I also think that we're obviously underestimating the former 24-7 champ in the WWE. Rob Garkowski, guys. Like, he's still a 95. <laughs> he's still that level of player. Um, no, I, in all honesty, I think Ertz should be higher. Like, I get that yeah. Zach Ertz had a down year for Zach Ertz last year. I think that he should be higher. I think that but we he should... did play last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, he had a down year last year, but it was a you're, year he played football. <laughs> you're not going to get any <laughs> argument from me. I mean, I would be – so kind of like what you had referenced before with Cam, I'd want to see Gronkowski play before I gave him that 95 rating because if he comes out and wets the bed and then you got to adjust his rating at week six to a 79, you're going to feel like an idiot. Well, it, I could go into all kinds of reasons, I think, that give Gronkowski the benefit of the doubt and didn't give Cam, but I'm not going there right now. I just <laughs> <laughs> As Parker says that with his fist in the air. <laughs> okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do, what do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But 
you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So uh, check out the Beard Struggle. The Beard Struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb thing to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, Mr. Cummings, another football thesis, but this week we're talking about college football here. Uh, looking at an article by Pat Forty for SportsIllustrated.com. The article outlines this whole coronavirus issue in college football. We'll talk more about that in a second. But the thesis is that Pat Forty's realignment based on the coronavirus would be good for college football. How do you grade that one? So I'm going to take into account that we would be playing. And so like, I don't want to get into the Corona piece necessarily so much as the, this allows us to play piece. And that's, I'm giving this an A plus. What about you, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm also super high on it. Assuming that this is, is a safe to play type of environment. I think the truth is I, I like this just like per, for period. We could like start it now and keep it for after coronavirus. I also think it's like an AA plus kind of thesis. Okay, Mr. Cummings. So we both gave this a pretty high grade. Uh, I got to be honest, when you texted this idea to me earlier this week, I got really excited just at the picture of the conferences. Uh, in the, <laughs> an article that has an outline of who plays where and who your opponents are. Uh, we elaborate a little bit on what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. So for folks who have not read the article... Let's give a little bit of background. So Pat Forty covers college football. He's done it for years. He's done it for Yahoo. He's done it for SI. And so he puts together a framework for realigning conferences based on the fact that we're dealing with a global pandemic. And in his realignment, and I'm going to read this to you directly from the Sports Illustrated article, you have a 120-school ecosystem with 11 current FBS members relegated to the FCS and one elevated from the FCS. So North Dakota State is now in the FBS, UTEP, Texas State, uh, UT San Antonio, South Alabama, Louisiana Monroe, Bowling Green, New Mexico State, San Jose State, Coastal Carolina, Troy, and Liberty are all now in the FCS. So we got 120 schools, North Dakota State's in, a bunch of schools out. I would point out that he, he would do the relegation elevation is revisited every couple of years. Like, that's not a permanent status. It's going to be permanent if it's North Dakota State coming in because they're not leaving. It's just a question <laughs> of who else is. Um, you know, goodbye, UMass. Um, you got 10 leagues with 12 members in each league, hence 120 schools, each designed to maximize proximity and reduce travel demands and costs. So all current conference structures are broken and reassembled. There are no more than eight Power Five programs in a single new conference and no fewer than four. And there's no more independents. So Notre Dame, BYU, welcome to a conference. I guess Army's an independent too. You in a conference now. Uh, and then in football, each school will play a full round-robin schedule plus one non-conference game. So that means you got nine conference games and then one non-conference game. You cannot play an FCS opponent. The non-conference opponents will be locked in for a minimum of four seasons before you can opt out to schedule someone different. And there's no more conference championship games. So that gives you the background in terms of how it's structured. Now, I'm going to try to as quickly as I can go through the conferences and some of the highlights of the teams that are in them. You have a deep South conference. That's where Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Miami end up. UCF is in there as well. You have a great Mideast conference. That's where Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan State, they end up there, Cincinnati. You have a great Midwest conference. You get Iowa, Iowa State, 
Kansas State, Kansas, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the newest FBS member, North Dakota State. Uh, good luck, Eastern Michigan. You got to play the Bison. <laughs> You're about to get <laughs> slaughtered. You got the Mid-American Conference where UK, that's where we are. We get Louisville, Tennessee. Notre Dame joins this conference along with West Virginia, uh, Northwestern, Illinois. You got the Mid-Atlantic Conference, which has Clemson, North Carolina, South Carolina, Wake Forest. You have Pac-12, which has a lot of the traditional Pac-12 teams, so like Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, USC, UCLA, Washington, Washington State, Cal. You add schools like Hawaii and Nevada. The Rocky Mountain Conference, which has Boise State, Air Force, the Arizona schools go there, Colorado's in there, the Utah schools are in there. The Southwest, this is where Parker Ainsworth is going to pay the most attention. <laughs> Hook them, UT's there. And the rivalry is back because A&M's there too, along with Texas Tech, TCU, SMU, so a lot of Texas schools, North Texas, Rice. And then you get uh, Baylor, Houston, and then you get your Oklahoma schools, OU, OSU, Tulsa. Uh, the Sun Belt, that's where you get Bama and Auburn. LSU is going to be there. Mississippi State's going to be there. Ole Miss is going to be there. Memphis, which is going to be interesting. Arkansas State is there, too. Arkansas is there, but who cares? Arkansas State has been actually good in a few years. And then you got the <laughs> Yankee Conference, which is the Northeast. And so you get uh, Penn State. You get Navy and Army. You get Pitt. You get Syracuse. These are all the schools that I love growing up, but none of them really recruited me when I was a high school senior. Um, <laughs> uh, I, the, the name Yankee Conference might be problematic, so we might be doing an article on that later, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think part of the i gave this such a high grade shaka because so many of the teams you just named are already regionally rivaled with their opponent like texas a&m the rivalry is back but you get that still get to have texas and ou texas Oklahoma state texas texas tech yeah, absolutely you still you know cal stanford's still a thing but now they get to play fresno now they get to play uh, you know, it's still going to play UCLA. They're playing Hawaii, the whole West Coast thing. You have a, the Florida State Championship of sorts is now in one conference. Um, I, I think that it, it does a great job of maintaining those. We also get to keep Army-Navy, which is a huge deal. I love this realignment, and you mentioned it in the grading segment. I love this realignment regardless of corona. Like, I understand that corona is the trigger, and what I hope that college football would do is utilize the pandemic because it's such a tragic, crazy scenario. Let's utilize it to think about things like this. Like, why wouldn't we consider this realignment? It's the money, right? So, um, but why wouldn't we consider something like this in terms of realignment where we could get some of these teams to play against each other? And there's something really interesting, Parker, the playoff structure. The playoff structure, all 10 conference champions would be in the playoff plus two at-large teams. So no and more inequity with a power five and a group of five. You're in a conference. You win it. You get to go, and they'll take two more teams. Well, and the the deal there is, is that you're not losing any power, the current power five teams because, like you articulated earlier, there are, like, there are four to eight in each conference. And so you're going to still have those traditional – I mean, the Blue Blood programs will still probably be – at the top of the list, right? Those issues and inequities between like Central Michigan and Wisconsin don't just go away, but uh, it, it gives them a chance to play each other in a, a nearby look, you know, rivalry of sorts because they're not far away regionally. I think that part of my thing I like about this is that it, it really does keep like this idea of if you commit to, if you're from California and you commit to UCLA, or if you're from Florida and you commit to Miami, if you're from, you know, you're a Kentucky guy, if you're from the Bible Belt of sorts and commit to Kentucky, all of your games are now relatively close to home, right? Like that's that's part of like the lure of, you know, amateurism and college athletics is like kids that stay close to home and now all of your game, you're not sitting here, you know, as a kid in West Virginia, committing to West Virginia and then playing half of your conference games in Texas. Like, like that doesn't just flip like that for you all of a sudden. I think that there's benefits to it from a, that sort of humanitarian perspective. I also think that like so many is rivalries and maybe it's going to sit here in Texas and A&M left the conference however many years ago, but so many of these rivalries already kind of exist with the fans. Like it, it the Texas Texas and M thing is, is one thing, but like, 
Baylor and SMU folks don't like each other. They just don't play each other very often. Well, so SMU TCU is the iron skillet. So I mean, they have right. their legit rivalry, and you got and these they, other ones, right? And they play each other more often, I guess. But I, I was thinking about like teams that don't traditionally play each other. So like you got these rivals that already kind of exist in these regions, and now that now they get to play, right? Um, and so I think that that's an important aspect of this. You can speak to the Kentucky side of things, but there are certainly some rivals in that part of the world that you're excited to see potentially getting to play in this scenario. Well, hell yeah. I want to play Notre Dame because like people <laughs> talk about Kentucky as if Kentucky football is their dad's Kentucky football, which only tells me you're not watching Kentucky because Kentucky beat Penn State in the Citrus Bowl two years ago and literally won eight games in a bowl game with a wide receiver playing quarterback. And that wide receiver got drafted as a running back in the NFL. If that lets you know what the quarterback situation at Kentucky was like last year and they still won eight games. I, I said this two years ago to an Auburn fan, and I said I would have loved to have our Citrus Bowl team had played Auburn because Auburn talks smack every year, and I, that team was good enough to play them. In this scenario, Kentucky, I would love to see them play a Notre Dame. And in this scenario, you get to do that. And let me say this. Even though Kentucky is a Power 5 school, I think that there are a lot of Group of 5 fans who have the same sentiment, like UCF. Would love to play Florida State. Bring it. You know what I mean? Boise, Boise will play anyone, anytime, anywhere. And to be able to play Utah again, because that used to be the Mountain West rivalry. Right, right. To get them again, because now Utah thinks they're high and mighty in the Pac-12, right? So, like, I could see Boise saying, yeah. And then we get Colorado, and we get Arizona. Oh, yeah, we'd love to get those schools. And even a team like Hawaii. We just out here hanging on the islands, bruh. Okay, bring Oregon out here. <laughs> We're about to sling right. it 50 times. We're about to have fun, it, guys. It's interesting. I think on this, you bring up Hawaii. They probably have the strongest home field advantage just on geographic location because it's the only one you have to travel a long way to anymore. There's no more going from Lubbock to West Virginia. There's no more going from, you know, Ohio all the way to Idaho or to Wyoming, right? You don't have to do any of these big, long trips within your region necessarily because of the way it's split up, with the exception of Hawaii. I got to ask, though, because you're a big-time college sports guy. I love Texas. I love the Big 12, and, and I watch my fair share of basketball, but you're you're a big-time college sports guy, Shaka. As you look at this, what non-Power 5 team, you mentioned a couple, do you think benefits the most from it? Boise State, because Boise wins – that Rocky Mountain division this year in my mind. Um, that's not to discount Utah. Utah. Was pretty good. Yeah, that's Utah not to discount Utah. But uh, Utah is going to lose God. Well, Utah lost God to the NFL. Right, their defense right. is not going to be the exact same coming back, and their defense was incredible. So Boise is the one that stands out for me as benefiting. And let me throw this out there as well. I want everyone to know that I have a an affinity – for the Armed Forces Academies, so I bring that bias to this conversation. Army and Navy love being in that Yankee conference and knowing all we have to do is take out Penn State. Because the, the thing that the advantage for the nine other schools, or um, actually it'd be ten other schools that are in the Yankee conference, is that you get Army and Navy. So when you prepare for the option, at least you got to do it twice. But if you're a coach... You know that Army's option is different than Navy's option, even though they're option principles. They're trying to hit you differently with it. Right. But they would love to get Connecticut and Boston College and Buffalo and UMass and Rutgers. I mean, everyone would love to get Rutgers. But uh, if I know that really I just got to beat Penn State, like that's going to be what Army and Navy are focused on. I think that they have an opportunity. Can I tell you another school? And I understand that Wisconsin – is in the great Midwest. I understand that Iowa is in the great Midwest. I understand that Minnesota and Iowa State are coming here. along. Y'all got to play North Dakota State. And let me tell you something. There's not a bunch of teams walking around here that want to play North Dakota State. There's probably 15 schools that can beat North Dakota State pretty regularly in the country. When you watch them, they play different. And they've got a quarterback who's going to be probably a first-round pick on the team this year. So North Dakota State is a school that I think is going to really like being in that great Midwest. And I think that they would relish the chance to play Wisconsin. They would relish the chance to play Iowa and Iowa State. And they are a tough out, boy. 
Um, they haven't been at the top recently like they were about 10 or 15 years ago. But Appalachian State, I mean, they got they got to play Clemson. That's that's, impossible that's the big right one. Right, but the rest of that conference is not out of their reach to me. And, <laughs> and I guess I get you know you still got to be Clemson, and so you could have your one loss be to Clemson. I don't think it's good enough to make them one of the at-large teams for a playoff or whatever. But that's that's a good setup for them. I want to say UCF, but the gauntlet of Georgia and Florida, um, I think that that's that could quickly be two losses. They may beat Miami and Florida State and look like you know they're as good as anyone in the state of Florida, but that's two big time programs that I'd have trouble with UCF on. What I love about this setup is that the teams that were the group of five are now on an even playing field and they get a real shot. The big 10 was the highest grossing revenue conference in college athletics, $320 million circulated into the conference. The WAC was the 10th highest grossing conference. They made $10 million. And it's like, we that's obviously very different football that you're playing. Right. And to now get conferences that are actually divided evenly, that the revenue can be split evenly, this actually makes a lot of sense, which is why it will never happen. Because there ain't no way the Big Ten's giving up $320 million so that their schools can go and, like, potentially get beat up. Like, you think Illinois is like, oh, yeah, this is cool. We're going to get beat by Marshall and Middle Tennessee. Like, nope. <laughs> so, this no, is why this isn't going to happen, right? The te- the teams that want this are the teams we were just talking about. They're the North Dakotas and the maybe Army, but the Boises and the schools that are have much smaller, you know, endowments or, or whatever going towards athletics. Those are the schools that want this. I, I think it's a really clever idea. Pat Forty is really smart. But it's like you just said, it makes too much sense to happen. Makes too much dollars the way it happens now, which means, as you said eloquently last week, it won't make any sense, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ainsworth, as we wrap up our podcast, we're going to get into Bubble City. Actually, no, no one gets into Bubble City. We'll get into talking about Bubble City and player rankings, (laughs) specifically the ESPN list of rankings so our thesis statement for this segment the espn bubble city player rankings are spot on how do you grade that mr ainsworth oh i'm gonna give it like a b um yeah i'll stay at a b what do you think mr cummings i'm probably going c i'm even thinking of going a little lower i'm not as big on it you know i think i am gonna go lower i'm just gonna go like c minus i'm just not as there's some moving that they could definitively do, and I have some significant issues with the list. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement, the ESPN Bubble City player rankings are spot on. You were a lot more confident in that than I was. I'm curious. Talk to me about the player ratings and what it is that you think is pretty good about them. Well, it's interesting because I think, if anything, normally I buy into these things less than you do. So maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe these are worse than I think they are. I think part of what's swaying me is the Rockets are one of three teams with two players in the top 15. Um, and so clearly it's accurate. Um, no, I, think, I think that the, the deal here is that it's all based on kind of where they finished the season. There's really only a few people I'd move around, I guess. And then there's some people that I would think more about, do we need to be ready to quickly move them? Kind of like we did in the, we talked about in the Madden segment where guys are going to move as soon as the game start. Like Nikola Jokic sitting here at nine, but his body looks so much different today than it did in this picture of him at nine. Um, that he could, I don't know if that's going to help him. He's going to be in better shape and he'll jump up, you know, three or four spots. I don't know if it's going to hurt him and he'll get pushed around. He'll fall down a bunch of spots. I don't, I don't know how that works. I do think, you know, like, Pascal Siakam, while he has improved a lot, 14 feels a little high to me, but, you know, I wouldn't put him outside of the top 25. I, You know how I like Bam Adebayo a lot. I think I've become a Bam Adebayo stan last month of no basketball, just watching him on YouTube and stuff like that, um, just because he's a fun guy to watch play. Zion being at 23 is interesting. Um, there are two Mavs in the top 25, and I don't say this as a Mavs hater, although I am a documented Mavs hater. Um, I think that two Mavs in the top 25 is interesting to me because I think if you ask around, no one would be surprised if they got bounced in the first round. And what does that say about 
two guys in the top 25 for a team that gets bounced in the first round. You know, I, I don't know what that means. Um, you have mentioned a lot of things that I wanted to hit on. If we're talking about where guys ended the season, how the hell is Zion 23? That dude was <laughs> killing the league, man. So he's way low. And I'm looking at a guy like Nikola Jokic. He's better than Joel Embiid. And I don't know, like, do I need to be the one to say it? How many people got to say it? He's the best center in the league. And so Embiid at six and Jokic at nine is a little bit crazy to me, unless you tell me that you're lowering Jokic's rating because he contracted Corona. Because if you say that to me, then I'm like, okay, maybe I understand it a little bit more. But Jokic is better than Embiid on face and, in my opinion, was having a better season than Embiid. So I don't understand how Embiid is six and he's nine. I also don't understand why Luka's in the top ten. And trust me, guys, I'm a Luka guy. He might be the best player in the league over the next two years. But he's better than Dame Lillard right now? I don't think he's better than Dame Lillard right now. How many times does Dame Lillard have to wave bye-bye to teams before we give that man respect? Like, it took him how long in his career to even make an all-star team? Like, Dame Lillard... That level of disrespect, I just hope that Portland bottles that because when they go into the bubble, they have every chance of being the team that upsets the L.A. versus L.A. apple cart that's supposed to happen in the conference finals. And so let me tell you, your boy Russell Westbrook being 12 is a problem to me too. Like Russell Westbrook is one of the 10 best players in the league. He's one of the 10 best players in the league. And people want to talk about player inefficiency and these sorts of things. If he's if it was so easy for everyone to get a triple-double, man, we see a lot more. And all this man does is average it for three seasons, win an MVP, comes to Houston, adjusts his game to the point where he is still an incredible all-star level player. And he's 12 now? He's better than Jimmy Butler. Well, I think it's just interesting that, like, the Blazers, it, you know, I did my little deal for Belly Up on the previews that we've been writing. The Blazers have two guys in, what is it, the top 27? Because McCollum's 27th and Lillard's 11th, I think, right? Yeah. Um, there's a real chance they don't make it to the playoffs, even with the system set up like it is, right? Like, they have the toughest schedule going in through the first eight games. And then if they get that, they'd have to play against in that, you know, play-in thing to get or whatever it is for the eight seed, potentially. Um, it seems kind of weird to me that two of the top 30 players on this rankings list a team that has two of them will miss the playoffs. Like, that doesn't seem right to me. The well, Thunder... They're, they're discounting Yurkit. I mean, anyway, Nurkic, we can do a Portland pod another time. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, so Nurkic just isn't on this, right? Because if you... Anyway, I, I, so there's that aspect. There's the Thunder have four players in the top 50, but no one's expecting them to get out of the first round. I, would, I, I hadn't seen that anywhere, right? And so, <laughs> I, like... Theoretically, there's 22 teams there, and so it'd be like just over two players per team if it were all even. I'm not saying it has to be all even because it's sure basketball isn't all even at all. But that they have four would imply to me like, oh, man, that's a team to beat. That's really good. And it's like, no, they're going to get sent home before the families are allowed to show up. Like, they, like I, I don't think that that's, <laughs> I don't think that's right. I think that's where I look at some of these as being weird. I never understood this Sabonis thing, and he's in the top 30. I think it. I do think there's like a role for a sixth man, and so I want to preface this by saying like the sixth man's a real thing. But Lou Williams doesn't start for the Clippers. How's he gonna be in the top thirty-five? And Patrick Beverly's not. Like they've made that decision. <laughs> One guy's better. I, I, you know, I, I just I sit here and I look at these this list, and it's just like any list we've looked at in this off, this long period about sports. There's gonna there's just a lot of contradictions in it. Um, and that's before I even get to the idea of like you're right. I think Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard are better than. Jimmy Butler, and I would say Paul George as well. We've seen Paul George shrink in a playoff. Even, yeah, no, you know, I'm cool with that. Paul George game cool and, and those kind of things. And there are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. Um, one narrative we got to stop. And I obviously, if you go back and look at my tweets, don't think he should have won last season's MVP. Um, I, I, I was obviously big on my man Harden for last season's MVP. And that's some, if you can do some historic MVP breakdowns, we can do that in a, a different pod. Giannis has had a better season than LeBron. I get that LeBron had the best weekend in basketball right before coronavirus hit. I get that he beat the Bucks one night and the Clippers two nights later, and it looked like this tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. Those were two regular season games in March. 
Giannis is playing was playing just before the break happened at a unbelievable level both analytically and with raw stats and by how he takes over the game when you watch him play just with your own naked eyes right like there is not a way to look at it where Giannis was not an impressive basketball player if you want to look at what it's doing for the Bucks, the Bucks could still win 60 games and they're only gonna play what like 72 this year like they're, they're really they're, they're still on track to potentially win 70 games or 60 games Giannis could very easily win defensive player of the year on top of all of his offensive numbers but Giannis has had a better year than LeBron does LeBron typically play better in the playoffs yeah sure but is this list about where they were when we left off or is it where we were going forward because if it's where we were going forward I'm back where you are where it's like well some of these guys like we've never seen Davis get past the second round why is he number five We've never seen Joel Embiid get past the second round. Why is he number six? We've never seen Luka in the playoffs. Why is he number seven? We've never seen Paul George get out of the second round. Why is he number eight? Like, it's just Jokic, same, like, all these guys are the same thing. It's like, huh, you know, what? Lillard might not make the playoffs. He's at 11. So how, like, there's just lots of different aspects that just seems to contradict itself because I, I, I don't know. I, I just got problem with player rankings lists in general, and so maybe that's my thing. I did give it a high grade because I think that I think that there's some validity to some of these things. Like I do think that, you know, like Chris Paul gets underrated because his teams don't win. He is a top 15 to 25 player. And I do think that like Pascal Siakam is a top 15 to 25 player. And I think that there are there are a lot of players that are in roughly the right spot and I think that's where I settled at. Like, eh, it's like a B. Like I, I think that's just where I settled on it. I just love that on this list, because I'm like going through it and just scrolling through as you're talking, I love the number of University of Kentucky Wildcats that are on this list. I mean, we are all over this thing, guys. So (laughs) one thing that the list gets right is that the University of Kentucky absolutely dominates college basketball. Hence, we send the best players to the NBA. Devin Booker is 31. I think that the amount of Devin Booker misranking that happens is incredible. It just shows me you don't watch. He's not the 31st best player in this bubble. He's not the 31st best player in the league. Devin Booker could hit you for 60 every night. He, You don't know. You don't know. You can't stop him. Like, I don't understand. So I start looking at my cats, and I'm just like, oh, I'm not sure about where we're starting to rank some of these guys. And I actually, as a, and again, I'm a UK guy. I actually think that Bam Adebayo is probably a little high. But I definitely think that Booker's Bam low, Adebayo. man. Booker's got to be yeah. higher than 31. Booker is in the top 15. Like, why is Booker – I don't know. I'm going to get into trouble. Chris Middleton? Yeah. Behind Chris Middleton? Man, can, or can Fred we Van, – Or Fred Van Fleet? <laughs> or, like, yeah, no, I, I hear you. But I, I, I guess my thought is I you have him a little higher than I would, but um, I would think that, you know, he's at 31. I'd probably put him in the top 25. I don't think he's that far off. I guess my thought on this list is that he gave his BS because I don't think anybody is that far off. I just think there's some inconsistencies on it. The player who I think has the potential, like if this list were like those Madden ratings that we were talking about earlier and a player could move and fluctuate, the player who I think has the most potential to move up this list is Jason Tatum. Tatum starting at 13. I think that by the end of this season, through the playoffs, Jason Tatum could be the number three on this list, which I know you don't want to hear because Harden's three. Um, I believe Harden's three, right? Um, it might four. be Kawhi that's three, Harden's yeah. four. Anyway, it would have Tatum jumping Harden, which I know you are not into at all. But uh, I think Tatum could be that high depending upon how his team plays and how he elevates his play in this bubble. I think the other thing that's interesting about Tatum is, I don't know if you heard this week, they're talking about you know Kemba Walker's knee still isn't quite right. And so if his knee's not quite right, um, A, that's worrisome for the Celtics because he's had a lot of time off. And so if his knee's still not quite right, and they've had a lot of time off, eh, you know, maybe it's, you know, That's not a, uh, yeah, maybe it's not a, a, maybe it's more serious need than we thought it was. Maybe it's not a good idea for him to go play. I I think that Tatum's easy to think about jumping because when you think about his playoff run two years ago, not last year, but two years ago, he clearly was able to step his game up to the occasion and be ready to go. I, I'm interested, I guess, to see, I would have said going into this that it'd be a guy like Luca because we've never seen him in the playoffs. But they've got him at seven. <laughs> That's, like, oh, my God. So let like, me ask you this. Who's who's the player who you think has the biggest potential to fall? 
I go back to Paul George. Um, okay, I, thank you. We got the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go to Paul George because, um, you know, he had his bad moments in Oklahoma City in the playoffs. And, you know, if you want to go back before the gruesome leg injury, he had games where he shrunk in Indiana that got covered up because the team played LeBron tough. Playoff P. Do you remember that foolishness? Playoff <laughs> P is a fairy tale. Like, it is Little Miss Muffet. It is Little Red Riding Hood. It is Snow White. It don't exist, guys. There's no Playoff P. Sorry, that dude, in terms of postseason production and performance, is overrated. And if the Clippers get knocked off by your Rockets, get upset by Denver, catch Portland, when Portland's really rolling and that team loses, Kawhi's got two championships and two finals MVPs. So we're not going to ding Kawhi. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. You're getting dinged. Playoff P, the myth. Like, people are going to wave bye-bye to him from this top 10 list the same way that Dave Lillard did last season. Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. We started... And we weren't talking about a lot of sports, but I told you guys we would talk about sports. We eventually get there, right? We eventually get there. <laughs> Parker, you want to hit folks with your socials? Yeah, if you want to hit me up about sports or not sports, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. I'll also respond to the FN Sports Twitter page. You can find that on Twitter at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, the number two. All one word on Twitter. We got Instagram too, Shaka. Absolutely. You can hit us up on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things that help the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't work with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 